Yeah, and we're here today to proclaim the goodness of our God, to proclaim that our hope is in our King, Jesus, to proclaim that we as the people of God are going to set an example for the world for what it means to love, for what it means to serve, for what it means to be people and agents of blessing in the good and healing name of our Lord. Amen? Amen. I was reading uh, in the book of Kings this week, 2 Kings, and I came across this weird story. Now, there's all these weird stories in the Old Testament, and some of them are weirder than others. There's a story about a good king, King Hezekiah. And the Bible goes through and talks about all the great things that Hezekiah did, like not knocking over Kevin's amplifier, and maybe he remembered to bring his music stand, you know. But Hezekiah is a, a, a sweeping reformer. So the kingdom was going sideways culturally, and the kingdom was going sideways spiritually, and the kingdom was going sideways financially and politically, and he got, he got everything going in the right direction. The Bible speaks with great alacrity about what kind of king Hezekiah was, but then he, then he gets sick. And God tells him, this is it, man, you're going to die. And he says, I don't want to die. And God says, okay. <laughs> and he gets better. I mean, it's really, you're like, wow, that was easy. How come it doesn't work like that for me? Maybe if, maybe if I was a better king, maybe that would go a little better. But it's a, it's a really strange turnaround. And the prophet Isaiah comes to the king and tells him, hey, you're going to have another 15 years. And the king is overjoyed. Now, about that time, envoys came from the neighboring empire of Babylon. And if you want to kind of get a sense in your head of what this looks like, um, imagine all of the UP and Michigan, and then imagine that's the Babylonian empire, except a lot bigger, you know, the Babylonian empire. And then uh, somewhere around that movie theater in Coldwater is, is the kingdom of Judah where Hezekiah is in charge. The thing is, though, is that, that Hezekiah's kingdom is really prosperous. I mean, there's tons of wealth stored up in this tiny little kingdom, kind of at the bottom end of the Babylonian empire. Well, envoys come from the empire and they come in and they say, hey, we hear you were sick. And so we came to offer our condolences. Oh, I got better. Really? That's fantastic. Let me show you around. And this is the weird story. So after this re re remarkable, miraculous recovery, these these foreigners show up, these envoys show up, and Hezekiah shows them around the palace. Here's what it says in 2 Kings. He said, Hezekiah welcomed them, and he showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory, all that was found in his storehouses, and there was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. They go on their merry way. Isaiah the prophet comes to the king, and he says, uh, what did you do? Well, the envoys came from the neighboring empire of Babylon. I showed them everything. What specifically did you show them? Oh, I showed them absolutely everything. You fool. Don't you know what they're going to do? They're going to come and take everything you just showed them. They're going to take your spices. They're going to take your treasure. They're going to take your gold. They're going to take your land. You're going to be totally conquered by these people because you've been such a moron. That's not the Hebrew word. That's just the good English word for it. And then Hezekiah responds and he says, well, at least it won't happen in my lifetime. And that's kind of the end of the story. And then it goes on to say the thing that Kings always says, you know, are not the other deeds of Hezekiah, you know, how he built a pool and made a rock or whatever. Oh, they go on to that nonsense. You're like, okay, sure, whatever. And I'm reading the story. I'm like, this is, this is so weird. Like, is God cursing Hezekiah? 
Is that what's happening? Because he did all these other good things. Is one, like his one dumb maneuver enough to undo the healing, restorative work of God? Is, is one act of stupidity sufficient to, to, to obfuscate God's grace? Even though you've been a great king your whole life, you can, you can make one boneheaded move and lose everything? Well, it's funny because you, you read forward in the stories of the kings and turns out that eventually, yeah, the Babylonians do conquer the kingdom of Judah, but, but not right away. It's like five kings later before they finally gear it up and take stuff off. But it's just, it's just a weird story. And so I kept analyzing it through the lens of the teachings of Jesus. You know, Jesus said, love your enemies. I go, well, it sort of seemed like Hezekiah did that, right? S stupidly. And then I go, is, is the Bible saying Jesus is stupid? This is theologically very complex all of a sudden. And then I started thinking, who's in the room right now? Hang on. I started thinking about my daughter. I thought maybe there's something else here entirely. As I started thinking about how, how precious my daughter is, how beautiful. And I started thinking, well, what if what if my daughter is like Hezekiah? And and there's always going to be people who sort of sniff out weakness. And they're going to come looking for what, for what they can have. For what they can take. And I started thinking, man, I sure hope she learns to be more careful. And so I really pulling apart this story the last couple of days and just kind of wrestling with it in my mind and in my spirit. And, and I, I'd like to tease it out for you. So these are maybe, you know, a father's reflections on Hezekiah's foolishness. But first and foremost, man, I, I really think the king didn't know who he was. You know, here's, here's Hezekiah, sweeping reformer. You, you can't make sweeping reforms that lead to tremendous prosperity without building some kind of a reputation. He, he didn't know what kind of reputation he had. Now, he, he also didn't know that many of the reforms he instituted would have been both offensive and damaging to the Babylonian empire. I mean, he had to kind of know, but when the Bible says, you know, he knocked down the temples of the false and foreign gods, guess whose gods those were? The Babylonians, they probably didn't feel real good about the fact that he was smashing their stuff. When, when he increased in wealth at the bottom little teardrop of this giant empire, you, who, who gobbles up all the, there was like 17 kingdoms of Babylonians that already gobbled up. He didn't, he didn't realize that he was the cherry on top. He didn't realize he was an easy target full of precious and desirable materials. You know, you, you better know who you are. I mean, you better know who you are. You better know how other people see you. You better know how you're positioned. You better know what it's like to be on the other side of you. Because some people, man, they're going to hit your guts. Not sure that you can fix that. Maybe you can be judged by the caliber of your enemies. That's sort of charming. But also depressing too, because most of my enemies are well, way dumber than me. <laughs> but you better know that some people are... They're just never going to come over to your side. And some of those that are never going to love you, never going to support you, some of them will pretend. They'll pretend. 
And you can't evaluate them and their relationship to you unless you know who you are. You ever uh, meet somebody whose children are going through a little bumpy patch in the dating department? You know, it seems well-worn territory now, but we all know that one beautiful, charming girl who just keeps bringing home idiot after idiot. It's like she goes to the idiot store and gets five for one. And you think, why are you dating so below yourself? How, how, how foolish? Because she doesn't know who she is. She didn't know how precious she is. She didn't know how valuable she is. I learned early on one of the healthiest practices for dads is to date your daughters. I don't know when I'm going to preach at 11 o'clock when my daughter actually shows up because I'm probably not going to talk about her. But <laughs> The whole sermon will be, I got this buddy, this really charming, handsome buddy with a great daughter, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I learned one of, the, one of the best things you can do is date your daughter. Because I guarantee you, if you take Anna out on a date, not that any of you should or could, you know, I'm looking for 14-year-old boys, right? But... Man, she knows how to be treated. And I don't mean she knows that somebody's going to buy her popcorn or somebody's going to open her door. I mean, she knows that somebody's going to listen to her ideas. She knows that somebody's going to let her have her own opinions. She knows that what she wears is a reflection of who she is, not bait and not a tinker toy or a boppet. She knows. She knows who she is. Do you? Do you? Because the next thing you really got to figure out, once you know who you, who you are, is, man, you got to know what you're worth. I mean, in Hezekiah's case, he's a king. He's got a, he's got a kingdom. He has possessions. He has a mortal body. All of these things are precious, precious to his kingdom, precious to his people, precious to, to, to his, his, his cabinet ministers, to his, his soldiers. I mean, it, these things are valuable. What's your kingdom? What are your possessions, your achievements? What about your body? I mean, do you know what your body is worth? Do you know if you give away control over your body, other people are not going to take care of it for you. Like, nobody's going to take care of your sexual health and identity. That's just you. That's on you, man. You better figure out what's going on in here. N nobody's going to take care of your health and wellness. Nobody's going to go to the gym for you. No, nobody's going to serve you. You don't marry to a health cook, chef person who's going to serve you healthy meals and get you looking six-pack ready for summer. I mean, that, that's on you. You know how precious and valuable your body is? You only get one. You only get one. You can decorate it. You can match your hair to your sweatshirt. But you only get one. And your possessions, man, the things that you've, possessions, man, that's not just pretty things that you have. I mean, those, those, the things that you've purchased, the things that you bought are, are representatives of your ardor, your hard work, your achievement, your decision. Your, they're, they're things you brought into your life. 
I mean, now, you might feel strange about your possessions, but think about the possessions of a loved one who's since passed away. My father gave me his Bible. That's precious to me. We have things that are precious to us. Not not because they're worth a lot of money. I mean, maybe. But because they're, they're worth a lot of us. And we have influence, you know, sort of our kingdom, maybe the influence we have in our company, maybe the influence we have in our social media, but you know who you are and you know what you're worth, then you get ready for this third lesson. And this is the thing that I think is most important. This is the thing that I've just been ruminating on for days now is you better be really careful with whom you share. You better be really careful with whom you share. Because here's what these envoys do. They, they come in. And they look around, they say so many nice things. You ever been around somebody who just says nice things all the time? And you begin to wonder, like, I don't know how genuine you are. Oh, girl, mm, you look so good. I've never flirted in a long time. I think you can tell, you know. You're like, I'm starting to think you don't really like me. You just like, you know, what I'm wearing. Or you just like what I might do for you. Or you, just, you just hear people and they, they say things that do not bear the truth of their heart. Man, you got to watch out for those people. You got to watch out for those people because you know what to do. And they're, they're going to steal. Now, Jesus said, be innocent as doves. I think I got that part down real good. I love everybody. I want to make everybody my best friend. I'm a, I'm a Labrador retriever puppy. You know, you come to church, I'm going to slobber all over you, give you a big hug. And, and that's why we have hand sanitizer everywhere, you know, because you're not going to catch COVID. You might catch cooties, you know, so you got to. But Jesus also said, be shrewd as serpents, meaning, meaning love your enemies, but don't hand them a loaded gun. Bless those who curse you, but don't give them a microphone. Innocent and shrewd. See, these men came in with all their nice words, with all their fine gestures, with all their causes for concern. We heard you were ill, so we came to issue our condolences. Yeah, right. That's like the vulture showing up with a napkin around his nest and knife and fork together. Oh, heard you weren't feeling so good. They're ready to gobble up that little kingdom like nobody's business. And there will always be people who are ready to eat you up. They don't care about you. They just want what's yours. Sometimes they don't even want to steal it. Sometimes they just want to destroy it so that you can't have it. Because if they can't have it, ain't nobody have it. How could you do that? How could you? You shouldn't have that. There are people in this world that are just destroyers. Now again, when we read the stories in the Old Testament, we have to read them in stereo with the teachings of Jesus and Paul and the rest of those guys in the New Testament. So, so love your enemies, but don't give them the keys to your house. Because they just come in and smash and smash. And I just keep thinking about all the experiences I've had as a counselor. I'm not a trained counselor. I'm a pastoral counselor, which means you can come get counseling from me for free. (laughs) So a lot of people want that. I'm not very good, but they're like, well, you're cheap. You know, it's it's true. You get what you pay for, but there you go. Yeah. 
I listen, we pray, you get a tattoo. That's roughly how it goes. I just think of all the people who cycle through my office and they let somebody in and that person just destroys them, destroys who they are, destroys the things that are precious to them, destroys their memories, destroys their achievements. I mean, they just go from room to room to room in your mind and in your heart and they just smash and smash and smash. You better not have this good memory. You better not have these healthy friendships. You better not find meaning and fulfillment and satisfaction over there, over there, over there. And they just, man, once they're in, boy, they're hard to get out. But that's not the worst of it. Because when the Babylonians came, they, they took away all the treasure. They burned down all the houses. And they took all the women and children. They took them. Now who's left? If they kill all the men of fighting age, and they take all the women and children, the only people left are old men. How sad to be an old man in the ruins of your father's house at the end of a dynasty and be humiliated as your daughters and your granddaughters and your great-great-granddaughters are made slaves. Because some people don't just want to steal from you. Some people don't just want to hurt you. Some people want to shame you. They want to shame you. Now, I just kept going through all this going, okay, Lord, you know, all week long, I'm praying, thinking, Lord, what, what should I share with the people of Westwinds on Sunday? And I love the stories of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. So, you know, that's always my knee jerk. Well, let's talk about Jesus. He's my favorite, you know? And then I, and then of course that, that's healthy, but I, I don't want to just, I just want to, I don't want to preach on autopilot. I don't want to share something with you just because it's my habit. You know, I, I really sit with it and pray, consider. And we're in, um, we're in like a two-week holding pattern here. You know, the thing we did the last couple weeks where we read scripture out loud, we were going to do that for two months until we did it once. Then we were going to do it for three weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now we're, we're putting things together to go deep into the book of Numbers, which is a bewildering book that I hope to make sense of before February the 6th. Um, but I'm just praying, Lord, you know, in this day where we have nothing planned out like we normally would, what's for your people? And he said, remind them. Remind them to be good. To bless those who curse them. To love their enemies. Remind them to be innocent as doves and shrewd as serpents. Love without restraint. But be careful who you bring into your house. Be careful who you bring into your house. Lord Jesus, we praise you and we bless you and we thank you. Your word is so rich. These stories have so many sides to them, so many facets. We could study them. We can explore them. We can expand upon them. And Lord, the stories speak. The stories teach 
stories provoke us. And what a, what a shame it would be, Lord. How, how embarrassed, how humiliated I would be to stand before you one day and realize that through some errant preaching, I have made hard-hearted cynics out of an entire church. So, Lord, shore up my gracelessness with your grace and teach us, Lord, to be vulnerable, to be beautiful, to be good, to be loving, to be trusting, and to be careful, to be wise, to be shrewd, so that we're around for a long time to do a whole lot of good in your name. These things we pray, Jesus. Amen.